church. How are we all? Just going to preach behind this tonight, like I'm on TV. Um, no, we'll use this later on. Um, we have been doing a, a two, well, three-week series, it'll be now today, um, on this, looking at this topic of a scandal of grace. And been looking, obviously, with, with um, looking at different women that Jesus encountered and, and le- looking at their stories and seeing how when these women encountered Jesus, how it, it completely changed their lives. And, and so two weeks or three weeks ago, we started it. We looked at um, the woman who was caught in adultery and we looked at the, the posture of grace and how grace stooped down to find this woman and how grace stoops down to whatever level you are at. And then last week, we looked at the power of grace and how grace can transform your life. Like the woman who, who had the issue of blood touched Jesus and her life was completely transformed, but how Jesus continued to do a work in her, not just to physically transform her life, but to emotionally heal her. And we're going to look at another woman who you've probably, if you've been around church, you you know pretty well. And it's in John chapter 4. John chapter 4. And this woman's given, again, many titles. It's Jesus and the Samaritan woman, Jesus and the woman at the well. Um, but John chapter 4, and we're going to read verse 1 to verse 30. And this, my title tonight, is going to be The Purpose of Grace. The Purpose of Grace. And so John chapter 4, verse 1 says, Jesus knew the Pharisees had heard that he was baptizing and making more disciples than John. Though Jesus himself didn't baptize them, his disciples did. So he left Judea. And returned to Galilee. Verse 4 says, He had to go through Samaria. He had to go through Samaria on the way. Eventually, he came to the Samaritan village of Sychar, near the field that Jacob gave to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there, and Jesus tried, tired, sorry, um, from the long walk, sat wearily beside the well about noontime. Soon a Samaritan woman came to draw water, and Jesus said to her, Please, Give me a drink. He was alone at the time because his disciples had gone into the village to buy some food. The woman was surprised for Jews refused to have anything to do with the Samaritans. She said to Jesus, you're a Jew and I'm a Samaritan woman. Why are you asking me for a drink? Jesus replied, if only you knew the gift God had for you and who you were speaking to, you would ask me and I would give you living water. But sir, you don't have a rope or a bucket, she said, and this well is very deep. Where would you get this living water? And besides, do you think you're greater than our ancestor Jacob who gave us this well? How can you offer better water than he and his sons and his animals enjoyed? Verse 13, Jesus replied, anyone who drinks this water will soon become thirsty again. But those who drink the water I give will never be thirsty again. It becomes a fresh bubbling spring within them, giving them eternal life. Please, sir, the woman said, give me this water. Then I'll never be thirsty again, and I won't have to come here to get water. Verse 16, Jesus says, go and get your husband. I don't don't have a husband, the woman replied. Jesus said, you're right. You don't have a husband, for you've had five husbands. And, the, the, and you aren't even married to the man you're living with now. You have certainly spoke the truth. Sir, the woman said, you must be a prophet. 
So tell, tell me, why is it the Jews insist that Jerusalem is the only place of worship, while we Samaritans claim it is here on Mount Gerizim, where our ancestors worship? Jesus replied, Believe me, dear woman, the time is coming when it will no longer matter whether you worship the Father on this mountain or in Jerusalem. You Samaritans know very little about the one you worship, while we Jews know all about him, for salvation comes through the Jews. But the time is coming, indeed it's here now, when true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. The Father is looking for those who will worship him that way, for God is spirit, so those who worship him must worship in spirit and truth. The woman said, I know the Messiah is coming, the one who is called Christ. When he comes, he will explain everything to us. Then Jesus told her, I am the Messiah. Just, as, just then his disciples came back. They were shocked to find him talking to a woman, but none of them had the nerve to ask, what do you want with her or why are you talking to her? The woman left her water jar beside the well and ran back to the village telling everyone, come and see a man who told me everything I ever did. Could he possibly be the Messiah? So the people came streaming from the village to see him. So we're going to break this, this story down. I know there's a lot of sort of contextual things going on there between Jesus and, and this woman. I'm going to break it down a bit. And no matter what, this woman had an encounter with Jesus and it changed her life. But before I start that, has anyone, has anyone enjoy or been to the Christmas market in Belfast? Let's see some hands. Oh, most of us, yeah. I, every time I think about this, I get a wee bit sad that it's not here now. I can't wait for the Christmas market to come back. But when it was just there, I, I had my first ever experience of the, the big like hot dogs, big bratwurst things. And so a few people told me to go and get one. So I decided, okay, I'm going to go. Some of you are looking, how is this linked to the Bible? Just go with me. So I, re- I remember going around there and I was like, right, I'm going to get one of these, uh, these hot dog things. And, and it said it was five pounds to, to buy one. Uh, no problem. So I went it and I went and lifted ten pounds, and I remember I lifted it was like a ten pound note, and I was like, right, I should get five pound change from this. And so I, I walked up, um, and asked, yes, can can I can I have a can I have one of those sausage things, whatever they are? Yes, no problem. And and then the woman was sort of like mid mid conversation with someone else as as I was giving her the money for this. So I gave her the ten pounds. And, and then she was like, no problem. And I was talking to someone else and, and give me my, the, the hot dog thing. And then give me my 10 pounds back with another five pounds. <laughs> and I was like, but I just give you 10 pounds. And so I felt, because I love Jesus and stuff, I can't take that myself. And so I was like, oh, I'm going to have to be the good person here and say, oh, sorry, you've given me too much. So I said, sorry, I, I give you 10 pounds there. And, and you've given me it back with another five. And she's like, no, 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 you give me 20. And then I was like, no, I definitely just give you 10. So it was like, no, I, it was a 10-pound note. And she was like, no, 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 I give you, it was a 20. And so I was like, well, in favor is all my life today, so thank you, Jesus. So <laughs> I tried. I said, here, take it back. And I just felt, all right, God, bless me today. So I actually just got paid a fiver to eat there. <laughs> this is a great day. But do you ever have like those sort of instances where you go into situations, I don't know if you've had a story like that, but you go into something and you come away almost better off. You're like, I didn't expect it to be that good, but amen, we'll take a good day when it comes. And, and this woman is, is, has this story with her and Jesus is, is a similar situation to that. She comes to this well expecting just to get a drink 
of water. She comes, uh, Mark, or sorry, John tells us that she, she came, um, verse, verse 7. As soon as Samaritan woman came to draw water, she came to this well just to simply get a drink, a bit like me going to the market. I just wanted something to eat. I just wanted something to satisfy me. And this woman comes simply to get something to drink out of this well. But just before that, we see this passage of that Jesus then comes along and meets this woman. And in verse 4, I highlighted it twice. It says that he had to go through Samaria on the way. And if you've been around church, you may know the sort of the, the tension between the Jews and the Samaritans. And I'm not going to go into it too much, but let's just say the Jews and Samaritans hated each other. So here is Jesus, a Jewish man. And it says he was going from Judea to Galilee. You know, the easiest route would have been through this, this town of Samaria. But what he did, what a lot of the Jews would have done, because they hated the Samaritans, they would have walked around. They would have went the long way around just to get to their destination because they wouldn't have wanted to even go near this Samaria place. So they would have went a long way around. And it said there in verse 4 that Jesus, he had to go through Samaria. He didn't have to. He didn't have to, as, as nearly every Jew would have known. We don't go through there. We take the long way around. We don't go through Samaria. We don't like them. But it said Jesus that he, that he had to. And again, looking back that we talked a couple of weeks ago, I, I believe that this was again the posture of grace, that Jesus did have to go there, that grace does, drew Jesus into Samaria because grace knew that I'm going to encounter a woman here and I'm going to change her life. And so it actually said that Jesus, Jesus did, he had to go in there, not because it was the easiest way or the quickest way, but he felt compelled to, he felt drawn to go and speak to this woman. And, and this, this encounter between Jesus and this woman is almost like a, it's, it's almost like a beautiful sermon. If, if Jesus was to, to preach that now, he could use this sermon as an illustration of, of how to reach out and evangelize to people. Because Jesus uses in verse 13 and 14, he actually addresses the woman at her own request, her own point of need. Jesus addresses that. And, and oftentimes church, and, and sometimes I've been challenged by this as, as trying to preach more often, is do, am I answering the questions that people are asking or am I just answering my own questions? And, and we see a master class of it here in Jesus. This woman is coming for a well, has come to the well for a drink. She needs something to drink. And what does Jesus do in verse 13 and 14? And Jesus replied, anyone who drinks this water will soon become thirsty again. But those who drink the water I give will never be thirsty again. It becomes a fresh bubbling spring within them, giving them eternal life. And Jesus is talking about the Holy Spirit here. He's talking about, I can, if you come to know me, if you come to do a relationship with me, if you accept me as Lord of your life, I can give you this Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit is used many times in the Bible as, as water. And I can give you this as a fresh water because you're here for a drink. And I can give you a drink that will satisfy you forever. And how many times do we, do we see that often what Jesus and God like to do is they like to use whatever need in, is in your life right now to bring you closer to him. Maybe you're going through a financial problem at the minute. God will love to speak right into that problem in your life and bring you closer to him. Maybe you're going through a relationship breakdown with family, with friends, with a, with a partner, whatever, and you're struggling through that. God wants to speak right and use that very need to speak into your life and say, I want to bring you closer to me. You may have a relationship problem there, but I can bring you the greatest relationship. Whatever you're facing right now, 
And I love this. This is what God is so good at doing because look at this church filled with people and we're all going through different needs, but God is able to meet every single need in our lives, all vastly different. He is able to meet every single need. So whatever you're going through, God wants to speak to you and say, I want to bring you closer to me. I want to bring you closer to me. And so he addresses this woman's situation in verse 13, 14. And in verse 15, the woman says, please, sir, Give me this water. Then I'll never be thirsty again, and I won't have to come here to get water. And, and I tried to picture this in my mind. Could you imagine this was like, a, like Jesus up here preaching this sermon, and the woman, was, the woman was in the crowd. And Jesus gets to the end of his sermon, and he's about to do his altar call. And you can almost, this is what the woman says. You could also almost imagine this is what she's saying in her head. Jesus is about to make the altar call. Okay, who's going to come forward? And this woman's thinking in her head, please, that's exactly what I need. Yes, I want that living water. I want that that, that will satisfy me. I, will I want that. And in my mind, I'm thinking, okay, Jesus, go for the kill. Make the altar call. You tell them to put their hand up. Whoever wants to know, you put your hand up and, and get them to say the prayer. You're about to get one. This is an easy one. She wants, she wants salvation. So just get her to put her hand up and this is it. This is it. And then read verse 16 with me. This woman is, is, about, is almost about to get saved. She's about to say, yes, this Jesus, I'm going to decide to follow you. And Jesus says, go and get your husband. What? Why? Why would you say that? Go and get your husband. What's that? That's nothing to do with it, Jesus. Nothing to do with the fact that you didn't even mention the husband. And I wonder, was this woman, when Jesus said that in verse 16, go and get your husband, was she sort of thinking, we did not talk about any relationships here? Why are you talking about this? Why are you, why are you mentioning my husband? And she probably, I wonder if this woman probably felt a wee bit uneasy because we read later on that, that we find out that she doesn't have a husband. She's had five husbands previously and the, the guy that she's with at the minute isn't even her husband. So this is probably a really awkward situation. And you could imagine her, her face almost being like a, a deer caught in the headlights when Jesus said that, go get your husband. <clears throat> we didn't talk about this. I don't know you. How do you know this about me? How do you know this about me? And, and you see, she just sort of pans it off and be like, uh, I don't have a husband. And this is so random to me why Jesus decides at this moment, this woman is about to say yes to salvation. She's about to say yes to following Jesus. She's about to want more of him. And, and, and he says, go and get your husband. He starts to address and point out some of her flaws. And then as we, as we read on, then she says, I don't have a husband. And Jesus says, you're right. You don't have a husband. For you've had five husbands. And the man you're married and your man you're living with, you aren't even married to. You have certainly spoken the truth. And I think whilst I'm over this series, I've been looking at these encounters with women. And if you've been if you've been here for all of them, then you know the last two encounters that Jesus had with women were far more gracious and compassionate than this one. We see this woman who, last week, about the woman who had an issue of blood. She was bleeding for 12 years. And we see her in a crowd. Do you remember last week? She was in a crowd, and he looked upon her and says, daughter. He called her his daughter. That's so compassionate. In a crowd of people who rejected her, Jesus calls this woman daughter. That's the kind of grace and compassion we're used to. Or, or the other woman who was, we can nearly understand Jesus' compassion for that woman because she had a medical issue and well, she wasn't to blame with it. She didn't do anything. But do you remember a couple of weeks ago, we looked at the woman caught in adultery and she was put in the front of the crowd about to be stoned. Well, this woman, you got yourself there, love. Like, you were your, your own worst enemy. But still, Jesus stooped down 
And Jesus had grace and compassion for that woman. And then here we have a similar instance of, of this woman caught at the well. We don't know all of her story. We can read into it if we want. But we see that this woman has had, has had five husbands. And the man that she's living with now isn't her husband. So we can put two and two together and say she's had a few failed relationships in the past. She's struggled. But surely Jesus needs to have grace. Surely he needs to have compassion. And, and what does he do here? He, he starts to pick on her issues. He starts to pick on her past. He starts to pick on her story. Church, I believe that this here is the purpose of grace. That Jesus has to address our sin before Jesus can forgive our sin. Jesus has to address you and I's sin before Jesus can forgive our sin. This is where my analogy will come in here. This is where this will all make sense. And so could we imagine for a moment that this glass represents our soul? Can we imagine for a minute that this represents our souls, our lives? At the minute, it's, it's clean, it's spotless. And go with me and, and let's represent that this bottle, we don't need to know the product, I'm turning it around so I'm not advertising, is the grace that God wants to offer each and every one of us. Could you imagine that this was the grace? You see, I could... This would look amazing, and I feel like I'm on QVC here, about to do a wee bit of advertising. But you see them on, though, all those shopping channels, they're like, you're never going to spread on something that's not clean and wipe it. Because you're not going to understand the power of this, are you? It's clean. And so this woman is probably at this moment with Jesus. She's like, oh yeah, I want to know that living water, just give me it. And so often in church, I've been challenged by this, we sometimes can make following Jesus, just, just this, it's easy, it's just, it's easy, following Jesus is easy, look, he just comes and cleanses us, but what is the, the center of a relationship with Jesus, where does it all start, it starts with repentance, and this is where the Holy Spirit has to convict us of our sin, and convict us of the wrong in our lives, because there is going to be no real power, we're not going to fully understand the power of grace if we don't understand the problem of sin, we're not going to understand what Jesus and the transformation he can bring to your life. If you actually think that your life looks like this, my life looks fine at the minute. What do you, well, I don't have any issues. And so what Jesus starts to do with this woman is he starts to paint some of her wrongdoings. He starts to point out the fact that you, are, you have some issues. He starts to point out specifically to this woman that you've, you've messed up and you're your relationships, you're struggling and actually you're, you're kind of looking in all the wrong places and you're looking for acceptance in, in people and you're looking for acceptance in men. And Guys, I want to I pray that right now the Holy Spirit is starting to convict some of us of some of the issues in our, in our lives. The fact that maybe you, you as well are looking for all satisfaction in all the wrong places. That actually today... Maybe you could have went and left this church this morning after lifting your hands, praising God, and, and you could have started running people down with your mouth, hurting people, speaking about people who are in this building. Maybe you have such bitterness and, and unforgiveness towards people. Some of you right now are feeling that, I believe, that, that God is addressing that sin and being like, that's, that's you. I'm pointing out the anger that you have towards people, pointing out the lust that you have had in your life, pointing out 
the words of gossip that you've spoken over people. And what we start to do is we start to point out that our life is indeed still got sin in it. Still, and now we can actually look at our lives and see that our life is not that once pure thing, not that once perfect thing. Now when actually we start to dress, yes, David, you're, you're right, I'm, I'm sitting here with sin in my life. I'm sitting here unclean. I'm sitting here broken. And do you know what? Sometimes, church, I hate these types of sermons when people do them because then I'm thinking, well, this is supposed to make me come out and feel a bit better. I don't feel any better. You're pointing out, yeah, I'm wrong. Yeah, I've got sin in my life. But this is what we need to do. Jesus needs to address our sin and point out that, yes, we have sin. Before... See, the Holy Spirit's job is to convict. The Holy Spirit's job is to point out the mess in our lives. And church, see if we're honest, see right now as well. And listen, I'm the key culprit of this. See right now when people start to do this, do you know what I start to do? I start to dodge it. I start to look around and be like, I'm glad they're in church here. I'm glad such and such is here because they need to see this. And look what happens when Jesus does this in, in verse in verse 19, so Jesus in verse 18 has just said, you've had five husbands and the man you're living with isn't even your husband. And watch what this woman does. Verse 19, sir, you must be a prophet. So tell me, why is it you Jews insist that Jerusalem is the only place of worship while we Samaritans claim it is here in Mount Gerizim? What a load of rubbish. I don't even know what that question means. And how compassionate is Jesus? He still answers it. But here's this woman. Jesus has pointed out there's, there's something going on. There's something missing in your life. There's maybe a wee bit of broken relationships. There's a gap missing in your life. And he starts to point it out. And what does this woman do? She just denies it. She starts to deny it. And some of you, and I have been here, I hate when people do this because what do I do? I start to deny. Oh, really, my sin isn't actually that bad. It's not that bad. Yeah, to be honest, like I do have some bitterness and I've, I've spoke about some people, but to be fair, they had it coming. Like they, they shouldn't have said that and they would have made me talk about them or they shouldn't have done that and they wouldn't have made me have bitterness towards them. And so we start to push the blame and we start to sidetrack and we start to take things off ourselves. Or sometimes what we also like to do is we, we like to pretend that that's not there. We like to pretend that the sin in our lives isn't really as bad as we think. And I've noticed this. I really do believe like, that me passing my test was like an answer prayer because God uses so many analogies in that. And I realized the other week that I needed to clean my car. I hadn't cleaned it um, since I got it. Stinking. But I hadn't cleaned it. And maybe you're in here, and we were, I think we were talking about it not that long ago, about putting petrol in your car. And see, when it gets to the bottom, you just couldn't be bothered putting petrol in your car. So you're just like, I don't want to have to get out of my car and go and put petrol. So we'll just, we'll pray. We'll see how this far gets. And sometimes I do that with my, the, how dirty my car is. I'm like, I don't want to have to get out of my car or take it around or wait half an hour to get it clean. Like, it's fine, it's fine. And we start to see past the fact that, I started to see past the fact that my car was dirty and, and then I, I couldn't even be bothered putting the water in the window wipers. This is how it is. I couldn't be bothered doing it. So I'm just praying it rains so it cleans the windows itself. 
But I couldn't even be bothered doing it, and my windows started getting a wee bit dirtier, and I, couldn't, I could barely see outside, and I was trying to use the wipers, but it was just smudging the dirt on my windows, and it was getting worse and worse, but I just, I just couldn't be bothered. I just started to pretend it's fine, I can see it. I just started to pretend it's not, it's not really there. But church, I, I believe and pray that God is actually doing this within every single one of us, me included, that we're not going to pretend that the sin isn't there, that we're not going to pretend that it's actually okay. But Jesus needs to address our sin. He needs to point out, because if he doesn't point out the fact that there is sin in your lives, then grace will not have its full power. You'll not fully understand grace's power unless you fully understand sin's problem. And so what Jesus wants to do, he wants to point out, look at this. I need you to see this. Because these two words, grace and truth, are almost inseparable. Whenever you see the word grace, you can almost automatically assume that the word truth is beside her. And the same, if you see the word truth, you can almost automatically assume the word grace is there. And so Jesus says to this woman in verse 18, you have certainly spoken the truth. You have certainly spoken the truth that there is something missing in your life, that there is something lacking. And so here, here is the truth. Here is the truth. And what Jesus is going to do is he is going to address with grace. And do you know what I love then? If you jump down, we read it, it came to the end of the passage, you jump down to verse 29. So we've just read sort of verse 18, 19, and down to 29, it says that the woman ran into the, the back, back to the village telling everyone, verse 29, come and see a man who told me everything I ever did. Run back into the town, run back in the village, come and see this man who told me everything I ever did. And you would love that. That would make sense if you were a successful person. You would want someone to be telling you everything you ever done. But we don't know anything that this woman's done successfully. All we know is what this woman has had is broken relationships, failed marriages. Her fault, they're their fault. We don't know. But this woman obviously has had failed marriages and relationships in the past. Yet she is running back to her town telling, come and see what this man has told me about my life. He has told me everything I ever done. And so come and see this. Come and see this. There has obviously been a reaction in how Jesus responds to this woman's sin, this woman's past, this woman's history, her story. There's obviously been some sort of response that has allowed her to run back to people and say, come and hear my testimony. Come and hear a man who's told me everything I've ever done. This is where we really hope this works. See, this is where Jesus' grace comes into it. This woman, Jesus, has pointed out our sins. And I pray, I do pray, that the Holy Spirit has started to point out some of our sins. And that you haven't tried to sidetrack it, you haven't tried to push it off, but you've taken it and been like, do you know what I do? I am, I am a sinner. I am probably one of the worst in here. We are easy to push it off, but we need to see the problem of sin so that we can understand fully the power of grace. Because when Jesus points out, the Holy Spirit points out and convicts of our sin, when he points out and convicts of the bitterness, the gossip, all the wrong things, and we look at our life and see how messed up it is and just think, I should never get into heaven. I should never be a follower of Jesus. But we see what his grace can do. We see that his grace can come and cleanse that away. We can see that his grace can come and take away, even though it's the bitterness within us, even though it's our gossip, even though it's our hatred, it's our selfishness, it's our anger. 
We will never fully understand the power and the purpose of grace if we don't fully understand the problem of our sin. I'm going to ask Mark to come up here. You see, church, this is what I believe that Jesus wants to do. This is what we're about to celebrate next week. We're about to celebrate the fact that Jesus came and done this, that Jesus came and paid the ultimate sacrifice on the cross so that that could be wiped clean. But Jesus has to address our sin. Jesus has to point out that whether you're a follower of Jesus in here or not, we still sin. We have all fallen short of the glory of God. And it always comes back to this heart of repentance. We always need to come back to repentance. We always need to come back to surrender. We always need to come back to giving it over to Jesus and saying, look, I am sorry, God. I am sorry, God. I am one of the, I'm one of the biggest culprits. I'm one of the worst sinners. And I am sorry. And Jesus needs to point out, church, that, that we are sinners. You are a sinner. It doesn't come from my words. That comes from this. We are all sinners saved by his grace. And we need to see the problem of sin. And watch this. I love this then in verse, in verse 28. We can read in verse 7, this woman came to the well. Why? To get a drink. So obviously you bring a pot with you to get a drink. She is coming to this well just to get a drink. Verse 28 tells us, the woman left her water jar beside the well and ran back to the village telling everyone, come and see a man who told me everything I ever did. This woman came to this well with one request, with one desire, with one need, and she left rejecting that need, rejecting that desire to go and tell people her testimony. I believe there's some of you in here have come to church tonight with a request, with an area of your life that you're struggling, with something that you wanted answered. And I do, it might just be a fuse, but I believe that tonight God wanted to encounter you and encounter you with his grace so you would leave here leaving that request here and going back to your family and going back to your workplace tomorrow going back to your friends going back to your streets your homes wherever you're from going back to your mission field and telling people come and see a man who has changed my life come and see a man who's told me everything I've ever done and yes it's not great what I've done but his grace can cover that and his grace can do that to you too I love that verse that she left her water jar. She left the one thing that she came for to go and tell people about her story, to go and tell people about, no, I haven't got it all right. No, I haven't, I haven't hit the nail every time. No, I've made mistakes. But I know a man who cleanses that and one encounter with his grace will change your life completely. That's the purpose, guys. That's what grace is. One of them weird way analogies, God's riches, it's Christ's expense, but he wants to come and, and enrich your life. He wants to come and change your life. Even though we have got, got sins, we have a blemished life, he wants to come and, and transform that. I'm going to pray here. I'm not going to do anything big or special. I'm just going to pray. The banner is going to come up and we're going to worship. But I want to, I want to ask as we go into worship here, would you... Keep your eyes fixed on that. You keep your eyes fixed on that fact that Jesus is one to still come and, and wash over your sin. We have all missed the mark. But this is what grace wants to do. It wants to come and forgive that and heal that. 
It needs to address that. It needs to point out your sin. But once it does point out that sin, then you're able to see how powerful grace is. That no matter how far you miss the mark, no matter how far you've fallen away, he will stoop down and pick you up. If you're in here and you're a follower of Jesus, then this still applies to you and me. It still applies to us. But it's incredible that, that we just need to always come back to that heart of repentance and he is good to forgive. He is faithful to forgive. If you're in here and you're not a follower of Jesus, then this can apply to you. He still wants to come and forgive you. He will stoop down to wherever you're at, no matter how far you've ran from him, no matter how far you've went away, no matter what you've done, no matter how many, how much red is on your soul, he can come and in one impact, cleanse your life forever and transform your life. I'm going to be standing as soon as I pray here, we're going to stand and worship. I'm going to be standing at the back Come and grab me. I would love to pray for you. I would love to pray for you. Not that a prayer is going to save you, but I would love to pray and, and help you make a decision to follow Jesus. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for your grace that changes our lives, God. Father God, we thank you that, that you have to address our sin. You have to point out our sin, Father God, so that we see the problem, so that we see the issue that it's doing in our lives, Father God. But then so we see the worth and the weight of your grace, God, that it's swept in and has consumed our lives. We're so thankful for that, God. So thankful that your grace still amazes us, God. To this day, it still amazes us. It still blows us away. But God, I pray for your sons and your daughters tonight, God, as they go into their wake, Father God. Some of those who have maybe felt the weight of the enemy, reminding them of their past, reminding them of their sin, God, would you allow your grace to consume that and say, yes, you have done that in the past, but I am writing your future and you don't carry that into your future. Father God, for some of us who have just forgotten about this, who have just thought this is just my life, I just serve Jesus, I come to church, God, would you remind us as we come to this Easter season, God, that our sin nailed you to the cross, that it was our sin that held you there, God. And would you remind us of the weight and the problem and the issue of sin in our lives, God? But thank you for your grace, God. Oh, we're so thankful for that grace, God. God, would you give us fresh revelation of that grace tonight? God, would it not just be a word that we bat about now and then, but would we feel, would some of us tonight, I pray, God, feel the grace, your grace on a whole different level tonight, God? on a whole different level. God, as we continue to worship you, would we lift up voices, God? God, would we not go through the motions as we praise you, but would we lift up a, 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 a noise, God? Lift up a noise to heaven, God, and thank you for your grace. Would we outwardly express how our inward emotions, God? Would we outwardly express how we feel in, thank, in thankfulness and in gratefulness for that grace? In Jesus' name.